Silverback Chronicles podcast. It's your boy Big H. I got my brother Drizzy. Yo, hello, What's good, bro? <laughs> What's popping with the population? Bro? Chilling, bro. Life is good. Everybody healthy. Wow. Everybody grinding. That's it. Tell them about the party. Before I do that, Triple C. Yo. What's good, baby? Maintaining and chilling, bro. All day, every day. That's it. People, we love you. We appreciate you. We're back at it again. Listen, I want to give a shout out to my boy, Charlie Schultz. Uh, Berman, Sobin, and Gross is the law firm. Don't forget, July 11th. July 11th. We're partying on Thames Street at the Tavern. Is that the right word? Fells Point Tavern. No, you got it. Fells Point Tavern. We were there last year. Street. We was there last year. Everybody who was there last year, bring five more friends. Tell a friend to tell a friend. Come through. We're going to have a blast. This is the third year of us doing this. We're doing it every year. So bring everybody, all your friends. Listen, it's all positive vibes. Free drinks, free food. All on your boys in blue. We appreciate our brother Charlie Schultz, Berman Sobin and Gross. July 11th. BDL be square, all right? Yes, sir. What else? And also, um, for that event, not only just first responders, but anybody that's been on this podcast, please come through. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's a networking event. Um, it's a way we show love. The law firm loves us. They love y'all. And uh, yeah, that's it. July 11th, three to wow. three to seven. Three to seven. Let's have a blast. All right. Come through. We love you. We appreciate you. With no further ado, we got a beautiful queen in the building tonight. A queen. She's absolutely amazing. Experienced. Black. Beautiful. Sexy. Fucking amazing. <laughs> With no further ado, I'm not going to waste any time, ladies and gentlemen. The female in the building tonight, the queen in the building tonight, Miss Tara Nelson is in a building. What's up, baby? Hey. How Hi, are you? I'm doing well. Such an honor to have you. Thank you. Seriously. Happy to be here. It means everything. It means everything. I mean, your, your your resume, I mean, just what you've done with, you know, with, with your two daughters, it's just something that has to be acknowledged and honored. You know? We appreciate you just for you being who you are, but a black woman grinding hard work ethic, expecting nothing but the best, especially from her daughters. She got two of them. We're about to jump into that. And repping the New York Knicks colors. Repping New York. Always. Well, since we on it, please tell the world that don't know where you from, born and raised. I'm from Bed-Stuy, Brooklyn, Quincy and Marcy. Okay. Yeah. How was that? What was life like that growing up? Um, well, life in the 80s, let's see, crack, Drugs, rap. Mm. I mean, sounds like it was popping. Yeah, <laughs> a lot going on. A lot going right. On. How'd you how'd you not lose yourself in that and all of that? Um, because there's a lot going on. Let me think. I mean, I don't know. My my mom, you know. Um, What's the ethnicity? I'm black. Okay. Just American, um, Native American, um, and African American. My mom, you know, her family's from New York. My dad's family was from Michigan. So, you know, I got to escape the city, like, for summers and for holidays. And so I was able to see 
another perspective. And Michigan? Mm-hmm. What oh, was so Michigan like? So you went back to, like, you went to Michigan for the summers? Right. So I'm, I'm from okay. New York, but my dad was from Michigan. So I would go there every summer. And, um, you know, it was just, it was just different, you know, from, from, you know, city life in Brooklyn and then, you know, Michigan, more suburban. Um, and so I was able to see a contrast and... It, it was good for me to see another side of how black people lived. And then, you know, it made me just want more for myself. Mm. Was that naturally of like just wanting more? I think so. I mean, my, my growing up, like most people from Best I was hard. So like when tough. I would, yeah, like tough. So when I would go to Michigan and see uh, a different caliber of you know, black people. My family in Michigan was, was doing pretty pretty good. And so the black side. Yeah. So I was like, you know what? I want I want this. I want the house. I want the car. You know, I wasn't seeing that for my family in New York. Absolutely not. Right. So the brand is like, different. Yeah. So I was like, you know what, I want this and I want it the legal way. And so um, you know, once I finished high school, I, you know, went to college and Where'd you go to high school? FDR and, and Benson. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. Shout out to FDR. I don't even know if they're still around. Is the school still up? I don't know. I don't know. It was in Bensonhurst, so I'll just say that. Right. (laughs) Say less. So that was when Yusef Hawkins got killed. Yeah. Oh, God. That was tough times. Yeah. So, so, you know, I was bussed out to school in Bensonhurst from from fourth grade. So I was always leaving the hood. And I think, you know, I think that was good for me because, um, again, I got to see another perspective. And I was like, you know what? I, I want more. You know, so than from what I've FD, seen. FDR, where did you go to college? Norfolk State in Virginia. Oh, oh nice. Mm-hmm. Nice. So then I wanted to go to HBCU because I was kind of, at that point, I was tired of the predominantly, you know, white schools and the racism. And so. Well, how was that for you? Um, did H- you experience that? Racism? Yeah. And Bensonhurst? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What did that do to you? Um. I think it made me more um, somewhat anti-government. Wow. So, um, like I said, at that point, I was just wanting to separate. And I was like, you know what, let me go to HBCU where I can feel accepted. From your kind. Mm -hmm. And how was that experience at HBCU? Um, I mean, I thought I was escaping Best-Eye. and escaping Brooklyn mm-hmm. and New York. And I thought I was going to have a different life and experience. And then I get down there and all the drug dealers from New York is there. Everybody from New York is there. Everybody from Brooklyn is there. Everybody from D.C. is there. So it was fun. But I thought I was going there to escape. And it was just like being home. Because, right. you know, Norfolk, Virginia Beach, Portsmouth, that area it's all, is yeah. wild. Right. Yeah. So um, They're busy. Yeah. <laughs> so it was... um. I mean, it was fun, but my focus, you know, wasn't really on school the way it should have been. It was just, I was just having a good party, time. having a good time. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't say unfortunately, but that's college. Mm-hmm. You know, you're gonna have a good time, and, and, and like it goes back to what we always say: like every everywhere is popping. Yeah, everywhere. Yeah. It don't matter. Like, like, like 
like you exactly. It don't matter. It don't matter what little town. It could be a town of a hundred thousand people. It's still gonna be oh, popping. It was definitely popping in, and in, in a town of a hundred people. Definitely. There's gonna be drugs there. Be, right. There's gonna be you know the tough guy. There's gonna be the good guy. There's you can't escape shit. it. They got yeah. it everywhere. It's humanity. Right. Yeah. It's humanity. But I, I didn't know it's all of that. Yeah. Brooklyn was gonna be at Norfolk State. Norfolk State. I felt you like I was, was in like, Bedside. You know yeah. Is any people from the Bronx down there? I'm just asking. Yeah, I mean, just really? all in New York. It was a lot of New Yorkers there. A lot of people, you know, from this whole area. I think what it is is because we don't have any HBCUs in New York. True. And so all not in New York, not just New York, New York, New Jersey. You yeah. know, just the whole tri-state area. You want to out of there? You know, I felt like that when I went to uh, my junior college. I went to a Juco upstate. Shout out to Morrisville. Mm-hmm. So I get up there. It's farmland. Hey, yo. <laughs> I got I got all the hood motherfuckers from Jersey. Mm-hmm. I got, hey, yo. Love, I got Newark. I got East Orange. I got, I got Virginia cats in there. And like New York, like all the boroughs, all the five boroughs. I'm like, Yo, what is going on here? Just to melt the pot of all of us that didn't have good grades. Everybody just want to get out, man. <laughs> and I think that's what it was out. for me. I was just trying to escape yeah. the city, but it was just like living in a suburb of New York. Yeah. Yeah. With the same people. So right. it was fun because you're in a, you know, a, a nice environment. You know, we're near the beach. Um, you know, you got the Air Force, the Army, you know, the Marines, everyone in that area. So it's a it's a cluster of professional black people, mm-hmm. but also a, a cluster of hood people. So it was a nice mix. You got the Navy. Not too far from them. Which is what the world is right now. Mm-hmm. A cluster mm-hmm. of hood people, all races, <laughs> right. professional people, all races. Mm. It prepares you for that. Yeah. What did you want to do in college? What was your career goals well, when you got out of there? Well, my um, my degree is in criminal justice. Nice. So initially, um, I was thinking to be a police officer. So I did my internship with the 79th Precinct. Shout Brooklyn. out to you. Yeah. Shout out to you. And why did it get derailed? Um, I don't know. I um, yeah, that busted you about real quick. Real quick. <laughs> Felt good for a minute. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I did my internship with, with the 79th Precinct. I mean, I enjoyed it. Um, I don't know. I What did you enjoy about it? I mean, Policing I, for you, what did you see it as and why did you want to become a part of it? I mean, I thought I could make a difference, you know, in a community. Um, as a young kid, I used to run track. And the track team that I was on was actually run by the police officers from the 79th Precinct. Oh, like the PAO. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the, yeah, the PAO, right. So my mom, That's she so knew a boring. lot of the police officers because they lived... The, Your mom was lived. one of the police officers? Oh. But the precinct was like two blocks from my house. Right. So she knew them. And so, um, you know, and, and I was running track for them. So then once I um, went to college and then I had to just take a little time off because I had a kid and then I was in New York. And so instead of stopping school, she was like, just do your internship since you're here. So um, so I kind of, I, I was always around police because I was running track for them. They, mm-hmm. You know, so I was, you know, I just thought it'd be a good thing to do. And then I just kind of, not really got derailed, but um, I got into corrections um, from there. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow, so, how did that come about? 
Well, like I said, I had the criminal justice degree, and then um, I had my daughter, went to Texas. And so near where I was living, um, there was a juvenile detention facility. So, And it was a little hick town, so there was really not a lot to do with my major. And so um, I started working there. Texas, huh? Mm-hmm. So I was in Texas for um, for three years. What made you go to Texas? Um, at the time, my husband was stationed there at Fort Hood. Okay. Yeah. Oh, he's in the military. He's in the military. Right. So he was in the military. What branch? The Army. Nice. Mm-hmm. Shout out to the Army. Shout out to him. Yeah. So, Shout out to all branches. Wow. Yeah. So um, did that for a while. Um, that was the first job out of college, um, doing corrections. And then from there, I went to do investigations for CPS. Mm. And so I did that for the rest of my time um, in Texas. Nice. So I investigated child abuse and neglect, take kids from the home, you know, if there was any type of abuse, stuff like that. Um, then when I came to Maryland, I couldn't do that because in the state of Maryland, you have to have a social work degree. Mm. So then when I came to Maryland, I got into substance abuse. And, and that's what I'm still doing now. I'm a substance abuse counselor. That's mm. dope. Mm-hmm. So you came back to Maryland because of your husband. Mm-hmm. Right. So I came to Maryland because we wanted to move um, close to New York, okay. but not back to New York. The right. area. Yeah. So yeah. this was just a good area. Three hours from home. Um, I'm an only child. So, you know, I wanted to be near my mom. But I didn't really want to go back to New York. Gotcha. It's a quick drive. Yeah. So Maryland was a good place to be. I had been away from home at that time for seven years because I went straight from Norfolk State to um, to Texas. Mm-hmm. And so I was just happy to be, you know, back on the East Coast and... And then once I came here, like I said, I got into addictions, and, and I've been doing it ever since. I want to shout out all substance abuse counselors because my mom, she just retired from that. And oh, okay. shout out yeah, to yeah, moms. Yeah, for real. She did like 30-something years. Wow. wow. And um, society needs that because and they you don't guys, get paid enough. They right. never did. And you guys deal with a lot. Mm-hmm. Wow. And um, society needs it because you got to walk those people away from, like, the dragon, mm-hmm. away from chasing the dragon, and it's it's a lot. You deal with... I mean, it's it's also a part of, like, the whole cycle of law enforcement. You're just dealing with the tail end of the abuse, you know, the drug abusers that um that are now seeking therapy. And right, so you a, arrest them, and I kind of right. really Rehab them. dig deep with them. You got to get yeah. deep yeah. so you can make, so they can make that transition You're like the therapist again. to, like, former yeah. drug addicts, which is not easy. Yeah, especially in Baltimore. Oh, my mom did it in the Bronx, yeah. and yeah, or yeah. New York. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, I think anywhere, right? Like, yeah. you know, walking people away from that from that drug is, is 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 a miracle in itself. Where did that passion come from to get involved in that? Um, because yeah. <laughs> I, I know I, it, it is helping people seriously. I, I wouldn't. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I wouldn't say it was a passion. I. When I came to Maryland, what I was doing in Texas, I couldn't do here because Maryland is a social work state Mm -hmm. and I don't have a social work degree. My degree is sociology, criminal justice. Mine is sociology too. Yeah. So here in Maryland, all I could do is police, probation, or substance abuse. Because the degree, I mean, to be real, it's a bullshit degree. It is. You know, unless you have a master's and and so Which degree I kinda Sociology. sociology. Oh sociology. Yeah. I just did it because I could get the fuck out of college. Yeah, right, I mean, right. Can we talk about sociology? Because <laughs> it was easy. <laughs> I was learning the educational Word. piece of everything I knew from the streets. Absolutely. So, so can we touch on sociology, both of y'all? Sure. You know, both of y'all have a degree in that? Absolutely. Well, I ain't got it yet. Oh. <laughs> uh, no. But, but, Two but, classes away. 
Okay. Yeah. But um, so I'm sorry, it's not a bullshit degree. <laughs> it's not a bullshit degree. <laughs> it's a no, it's a degree. It's a degree. Yeah, it's but, a degree. I mean, sociology changes, right? With like, it's like anthropology, the study of man. <laughs> <laughs> well, how do you see it now, society? You mean like, if you could break like sociology when when I was taking sociology mm-hmm. yeah. is way different from like what it is now. Right, and, and remind you, you, I've took this was I'm 50, so this was. 30 years ago. So I don't so, know what it is now, but... So what's your opinion on society right now? Like, what do you see, like... Chaos. Chaos? You, want, you, see, you want another shot before you go in there? No. <laughs> How you see it, H? A lot of chaos. I mean, I don't know. Um, I think society... More... Not for nothing. The majority of crime is coming from juveniles. Why is that? They're reckless. Why is that? No parents. Mm-hmm. And then when they do have parents, the parents, I think this phase is parents just want to have fun and let them kids do what they want to do. And that is not a good thing. Can I, can I chime in with that? Please do. Absolutely. So what I see is... Babies having babies. That too. Um, and I would think that that was all it was. But um, when I was working in the... the um, Prison system because when I came to Maryland, I also worked at Patuxent Maximum Security, Patuxent. not as a um, officer, a but word, as, a, as a counselor. So what I saw when I worked in the prison system, and this is maximum security, is that, um, like you said, it's, a lot of it is a single parent home, but that single parent that I, that's in the home is never in the home is working. So there's no dad. And then mom is working two, three jobs, kind of like I am. Me too. And so the kids are, you know, you got the older kid raising the other kids, the dad on drugs. And so. I think it's just different. Because mm-hmm. I grew up in a single a single family household. It was just me, me and my mother. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Love my father. He's, he's, you know, he was always there. But of course, you know, different household. But I don't know. My mother... She had me when she was 21. So we kind of grew up together. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But she always had that hard work ethic. And she always embedded that in me and instilled that in me, even to this day. And it's true. you got It takes a village because mm-hmm. you can't do it by yourself. Absolutely. You really can't. But I think it's just different nowadays because they're single mothers, but they're single mothers that love welfare, that can work, but don't want to work. They they desire to abuse the system that taxpayers like us, we pay for. And the government keeps allowing them to abuse the system and give them what they want. Instead of like, yo, you're healthy, get a fucking job, work. <laughs> I think you'll see a difference if they implement something that make people actually work, that can work and really work, get out there and get a job. I think you'll see a difference. Like it should be like a term, like maybe you could be on welfare for a year. I think it just should be it should be it should be plans set and still for people that can work. Yo, work. If you need assistance, we get you. But don't yeah, let that be the end you. all be all. Right. Don't just coast on this. Right. Get out there. And when you do coast on it, it's unfortunate. But you coast on it, and you're not taking care of the rebels that are out here because they're rebels without a cause. One thousand percent. But please tell me. If I'm offbeat for what I'm saying, let me know because you do this. <laughs> no, I, I agree. We only see it from the police side. Right. Um, from my side, 
Do you think every person deserves Section 8 that can get it? Or should there be stipulations on getting Section 8? Can you work as well as get Section 8? I'm okay with that, too. Yeah, you I'm you okay can with work with Section 8, but I think they, they um, you know, for example, say, say you work, then your rent will be higher than someone who doesn't work. Mm-hmm. You know, so, I mean, I, I agree with a lot of what you're saying, but, and, and I don't know what the answer would be. But what I do know is that if you are a single mom mm-hmm. and all you're doing is working, then no one's raising our kids. Our kids are being raised by the daycare. Our kids are being raised by the schools. Um, you know, just to just like a little bit of my story. I remember when I was, you know, just working with my daughter and, and you know, after a while it was me. And, you know, luckily I did have some help from like the team she was on, Chris and other people. But without other people stepping up, then it would have been hard because I'm living in a state with no family. Now no you're support. right. It's two different topics. You know, so if you're, right. if the mom, if all she's doing is working, yeah, then like my story would be different because th- there's no one really raising the kids. Because if I'm at work until six, and then you know you're picking your kid up for daycare, and then everyone's at bed at nine, who's really raising the kids? So yeah. I think it's important to work, but I think it's important. I mean, we got to go. Back in how we're raising people, we need to to work back on having double parent the foundation. Because I really yeah. think I'm a little old fashioned. I really think uh, uh, someone. I'm not going to just say a woman. Someone should be home with the kids. I don't like my kids being raised by the internet, by TV, by daycare. I agree. You know, and so I think one reason, you know, knock on wood, I was able to um, have any success with my kids is that even though I worked, I had a job where I was home every day at like one. And so my kids never had to go to aftercare. You know, mind you, I didn't have anyone to watch them anyways. So I had to find a job where I was home. And then like when we were, you know, on Fort Hood, you know, like when my husband worked days, I worked nights, you know, because I just really didn't want my kids to be in a daycare system where a lot of single parents don't have that. So what right. I seen in the prison system is a lot of them guys did have mothers and mothers that cared. But if if you're making 12 an hour, you know, it's hard to be home with your kids. You're working two jobs. And then when you come home, you're tired. So the kids are kind of running amok. You know what? I agree with that. But my thing <laughs> is, you know what? My mother refused Section 8. Same as my mom. She would never do it. She says, as long as I got a breath in me, I'm going to work. Yeah. And it was my grandparents. It was my father. It was a huge supporting cast in raising Ralph F. Horton II. I think parents need to truly understand what you're getting involved with when you're having children. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we don't. No, we don't. Mm-hmm. You know now, what I'm saying? My mom was on Section 8. I am a product. Of Section 8. And it's nothing wrong with that. Right. I don't think nothing wrong with that at all. So what I'm saying is that, um, you know, you can work with Section 8. Um, so, for example, let's say you're you're on Section 8 and you're making 25000 Well, then your rent isn't going to be $100. Maybe it's going to be 700 So um, I think a lot of people do take advantage of it. But, I think you know, 90% take full advantage <laughs> of it. But for my mom, she, she always pushed education for me. Yep. 
And um, I felt like she did the, you know, the best she can. She didn't tear up the Section 8 housing we had. You know, she did the best she could to raise me. Which is dope. Made sure that I was eating nutritious. Right. Made sure that I went to school. You know, made sure that my grades was good. And so, you know, she was just doing, you know, the best she could. Shout out to mom. Right, absolutely. That's huge. I think if you revamp, the way I look at it, I think if you revamp Section 8 and award it to single parent families, that prove that they're working. Bingo. Right? That so that's here's deser- a bonus. deserving of it. Right. Yes. So it's like, here's a bonus so you don't have to get two jobs to pay the rent. Now Facts. that so sounds good. Now, I like right. that. So now right. I could just work that one job, maybe it's 30000 a year. Right. Right? But like the government's taking care See, of my that, rent. That so I, I could would, be home. I could go for. You know what I'm saying? Definitely. So now I could be home. Mm-hmm. I get a couple extra dollars. Instead of working two jobs. I agree with that. You know what I'm saying? I know that one, should be. You know, luckily, once my marriage was over, thank you know, thank God, my daughter was older. You know, she was in the ninth grade, but I was working three jobs. You know, and that's sad. No single mother should have to work three jobs because right. then, like I said, you're not you're not raising your kids. You know, you're luckily, not. my daughter was in basketball, so you know, she was in a safe place where, you know, the school pretty much. Looked, I mean, she was at school to nine at night every night, so. It She's busy all day. Yeah, right. So you kept her busy. So it didn't matter that I was working. She was not home anyways. Yeah. But, um, you know, if, if it wasn't for sports, you know, I don't know where she would be because I had to work. You know, I had to pay the mortgage. You know, I was not in a relationship at that time. So. Let me ask you a question. Mm-hmm. How long was you married for? So I said I got married. So I was married for about 20 years. 20 years. Mm-hmm. When the divorce came, what was that like? Um, for me, it was freedom. Mm. Uh, <laughs> How so? Um, because it, it just wasn't a. Um, it just wasn't a, a. Was it long overdue? Yeah, it was. It was. How do you know it's long overdue? <laughs> right. How do I know? Yeah, like, um, especially with kids involved. When yeah. do you know? Because a lot of people like, stay. Like yo, I, 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 Listen, I say a good ninety-seven percent of the people stay right. until their kids is it's like, like oh, I'm just gonna stay until the kids, kids is like older. college bound. Right. They all day at the house. But then, but then what happens? What happens? Yeah, in your situation where the kids are young, but it's well, like, my kids weren't young. So okay, when when we me. separated, or yeah, when we separated, I had one daughter who was working in New York. So she, I had one adult. So I only had one kid in a home. Mm-hmm. And then the kid that I had in a home was in ninth grade. So she was already big. Um, so it wasn't like I needed Pause. daycare or mm-hmm. anything like that. Um, Thank you. You know, and, you know, my ex-husband did help financially. It's just that it was just My me. man. Good shit. Yeah, it was just me and her. And, you know, I had to carry the mortgage. And so... Um, you know, I had a big house. I Airbnb'd every room. You know, I'm from Brooklyn, so we used to you know rent out hustle. rooms. Right. Yeah, so um, right. I rented out the room. So he left. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so, you know, was we were- Was it like co-parenting or just like- um, Yeah. He moved yeah. to a different state. No, no, he, he was here. It was some co-parenting. Do you believe in co-parenting? Yeah. Does that work? Yeah, yeah, it can. <laughs> it can. Right, if, if true. If people get Depends on the people. Right. But yeah, I um I Airbnb the rooms in my house and I worked three jobs because I had to pay trainers. I had to pay for some private schools, um, you know, just regular things that I had to pay for. So I didn't have a choice. But like I said, luckily, my daughter was in school till about nine at night. 
And so she didn't feel the effects of me working three jobs where, you know, a lot of people would, you know, a lot of people who may turn the wrong way because there is no guidance at home. So I feel like she already had that foundation by the time I had to work like that. So, you know, it wasn't like a negative effect on her childhood. That's dope. How are you and him? Are you guys cordial? Um, Or you just don't want to see him? <laughs> I would say both. There's no need for us to see each other. I have my kids are adults, right? So, um, but yeah, when 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 he first left, we were cordial um, because I saw had to see him all the time. Most parents that split may not have to see their kid all the time. I had mm. a child that was somewhat in the spotlight, and so and he was one of her coaches. Mm. <laughs> so, you know, how was their relationship? Are they close? Yeah. Yeah, they have a good really. That's her first coach. So wow. yeah, they have a her good first love. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's thing to bring her to that level, you know? Yeah. So um yeah, so I seen him all the time because he was her coach and you know, he went to all the games. She played um in her travel AU team, but she also played high school. So we had a type of relationship where I mean, I had to see him all the time. There were basketball games every, you know, once or twice a week, you know, so we probably saw each other more than your average, you know, divorced couple. Mm. Yeah. So. And now, I mean, cause I know you're you're speaking on your daughters a lot. We haven't even mentioned who, who is your daughter? We are, we, we are proud to host (laughs) the mother of. Let's, let's talk about them. What do they do for a living? If you don't mind me inquiring. Sure. So I have a, my older daughter, she is um, 28. She is a um, model. Um, she's a master's um, level art history student. Um, and she's also a sergeant in the United States Air Force. Well, thank you for you said sergeant. Mm-hmm. And you said she's a model? And she's I mean, a she model. is gorgeous. Yeah, she's a signed model. Um, she's um, Wow. She's, like I said, she's an a artist. Um, it's an art history student. So um, that's one of my daughters. And then I have a, um, another daughter. She um, She's 23, and she's in the WNBA. WNBA? Amazing. Wow. So, what team does she play a for? A lottery pick in the WNBA. Let's be clear. Uh, Chris, you said she was what? A lottery a lot- pick. Wow, lottery, a lottery pick. pick. Okay, what position? Yeah, so she's a point guard for the LA Sparks. Wow. Stop yeah. playing. Yeah. So, so like, you know, because I know we've been talking about, like, raising families. Wow. You've sacrificed so much mm. to raise successful women. And can, can we touch on your oldest daughter? Off, off air, you mentioned she's the only mural. Yeah, right? so my oldest daughter, she there's a mural of her um, in Bedford-Stuyvesant, Brooklyn, where we're from. And... Um, when they were rebuilding the Twin Towers, they um, somehow someone saw the mural and um, they commissioned him to do a liking of that mural at the World Trade Center. So there's a, wow. a mural of her at the new World Trade Center in Manhattan. Of your oldest daughter. Of my That's oldest insane. daughter. That's like, fine. Do you and your daughter talk about that? Like, yo, how, how does that feel? Oh, like, yeah. I mean, we talk about it all the time because it's, like I said, it's just... Walking billboards. Yes, I mean, the, walking the, advertisement. The, like yeah. when the like anyone that visits New York City, you can see her. Comes anyone to that comes to New York City, nine eleven sees your door. Imani Clouding. Yep. 
Amani Shout out to Cloud. Imani Cloud. We proud of you, baby. Wow. Listen, Shout out thank, to you. thank you for your service. Thank you for your service. Yeah. Come on the podcast. Listen, after you see this episode, <laughs> come on Silver Background's podcast. Yeah, <laughs> talk to mommy. You. Mommy will let you know how to get here. Hola. <laughs> now, and tell then, me about Miss LA Sparks. I know she got the six sham guard. I want to hear about it. Yeah. Well, um, she went um first round in a draft last year. Lottery draft pick. Yep. Um, from Michigan State. She's Michigan State's second all-time leading scorer, so she is in the history books from Michigan State. Oh, my God. Um, That's insane. She is two credits away from a master's. I'm proud of the basketball, but she was an A student, and she's also two credits away from a master's degree. So she's very smart as well. What's her name? Her name is Nia Cloudin. Nia Cloudin, shout out to you, baby. What's yeah. up, mommy? Can I get a jersey? Word. <laughs> Let me get a pick. I mean, I, I'm, not, I'm man enough to wear a WNBA jersey. Listen, yeah. listen, I don't care about that. <laughs> I just want to I want to smile and show the pearly whites. You know what I'm saying? Keep busting them. That's Lord. It. Yeah, so. So she killing it. Well, right now she's um, coming off an injury, so she's not playing much now. And, and anyone who knows anything about the WNBA, it is hard for rookies to, you know, she's got to work her way. She oh, will. Yeah. So. Listen, she got there for a reason. Yep. Yep. Because so. being a lottery pick. Yeah. So, you know, we're so, excited so, about what her future would be. He's a girl dad. All day. I'm a girl dad. And can I'm you, a girl mom. Right. That's right. Can you give us some type of secret sauce ingredient on how to raise? Watch your mouth, son. <laughs> oh, Thank my you, Chris. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yeah, I can't be serious. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, you got to do that. Right, he got real disrespectful on that one. No, he did. No, no, he, did. It, uh, Chris, he was fully committed to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just yeah, yeah, yeah. Saying, Listen, wipe your mouth before you ask another question, please. Thank you, appreciate it, my guy. Um, he said, "Can you please give us the secret?" I can't even say it. Ingredient? Not gonna do that. Can I say tip? Ingredient would have been better. Can I say tip? Tip even better. Jesus Christ! Now you can tip. You got me. You got me. Nice. Good job. Yeah, yeah. Advice. Let's go with advice. There we go. On how to like raise successful women in this society, right? Because clearly you did it. So as a woman, all right. How did you feel when you knew you was having your first daughter? And then not to mention when you knew you was having a second daughter, what was your mentality? Give me your mentality when you had your first daughter and let me get your mentality where it's like, I got a second daughter now. Um, And raising them in this crazy-ass world we live in. um, To be honest... What does sociology mean? (laughs) Right. Right. No money. Um, To be honest, um, I didn't want girls. Um, Damn. Okay. Just because um, I felt me growing up and best I being a female, um, it was just hard dealing yeah. with, um, you know, I've been robbed before, almost raped Somebody before. Somebody robbed you? And yeah. I like mean, that's dude? just. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck so it's that. not that I don't like I girls. Rob a woman. But I felt like too much it's a lot being a black that. woman. Right. And so I guess at the time, this is a younger version of me, not now. At, at the time, I I wanted boys because I felt like that strength was needed. Um, and, you know, I'm coming, you know, I'm from Bed-Stuy. And I'm, at the time, I'm like, you know, how do I raise a kid to survive this type of life? And so um, 
you know, I guess I wanted a boy because I didn't want her to go through the things that I had went through. Mm. Wow. So it wasn't that, oh, I'm disappointed I have a girl. I just... Um, kind of like to save the pain. Yeah, I just didn't want her to go through the yeah. things that, that women go through. I mean... Looking back now, I mean, I'm blessed and I'm happy that I have girls, um, especially, you know, it's hard to be a black male, too. But as a 22 year old, you know, having a kid, um, you know, I wanted boys just because I felt like that's what was needed, you know, to make it um, out. You know, again, this is a, you know, this is a younger version of me. That's dope. You know what? I commend all of our. Single black moms, especially black, because black women in the 80s having kids, dealing with everything the world has to offer is tough. Especially when you got your own family getting at you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was it was different. So I could just only imagine. I remember me and my mother walk, the car broke down, and my mother had a lot of money, but the money was for rent that was due. Well, because there was like no debit cards back then. There was then. nothing like that. And yeah. And we walk. I swear we had to walk for like an hour, two hours. Mm-hmm. It was a crazy ass walk because the car broke down. So we had no choice but to walk. And I just remember my mother held my hand and we walked the entire. We stopped at a 7 Eleven. She got me a Slurpee or something. I was young. It was hot as hell. And we just fucking walked all the way to our destination. It was a vivid memory, but I do remember. We had to walk because the car was broken down. And we didn't have a car. So, wow. And we were taking a train bus and right. walking everywhere. So, you know, it, 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 it's... I just... And shout out to my mother. Today's a birthday. Ma, I love you. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. birthday. June 10th, baby. Happy birthday, I took my I, I took moms out today. You know? With yeah. my babies. Yeah. I took a, uh, she wanted to go to Olive Garden. So okay. I took the girls... And with the Olive Garden. No wrong with that. No, mom got something to eat. Gemini twins. Shout out. Je- all day. Right. Word. Gemini. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we took the girls to Dave and Buster so they could play video games. That's a zoo. Right. But I love it. <laughs> I have a blast. Like, we play nah, Minecraft. Of course. We yeah. play Minecraft for like a good hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Minecraft is Yeah, we shit. just... Psh, I got the card. We just carding it up every yeah. two minutes. You know what I mean? But um, no, it's a beautiful thing. I appreciate you for what you do, especially with your daughters. Yeah, for sure. Because, you you know, me and Dre are going through a similar situation of being divorced. Mm -hmm. And it's... With me, it's... um, It's like, damn. Because it's like, you know, it's, it's like reality hit. It's like you don't expect that to happen. No, not when you plan. Right. You don't see that coming. I, th- I think for me, um, I think the difference in the way I was raised and the way my daughter was raised, um, especially my youngest daughter, she was always around men, um, black men who was interested in her um, in her career, in her education, um, in her going to the next level. And so I think that helped a lot. Um, there was a, a village there that was that was mm. really just as dedicated um, as I was. She mm. had coaches and she had um, trainers and she had mentors and she had tutors. So there was just a lot of support. Um, I mean, with my older daughter too, but especially with my younger daughter because of the basketball. And so I think that's one thing that I didn't have. Um, a lot of 
Well, let me just speak for myself. Um, you know, I was raised by a single mom and there just wasn't a lot of men. Um, and a lot of people think boys need men, um, strong men around them, but girls do too, because even, how, more, even more even so. more so because your your dating experience is going to come from the type of men that you're around. And so if you're not around any positive, strong men, then you're going to make a lot of mistakes when it comes to dating because you have no experience. Absolutely. So with my girls, um, they were always around men, you know, thank God, good men, you know. So right. I think that helped a lot. There was that that yin and yang, that balance. Whereas with me, right. it was just all feminine energy. It was right. no masculine energy. Right. And so um, in raising my girls, I set out to to raise them different, you know, from the way I was raised, just, you know, women. And, you know, then it's always my mom and her sisters, you know, her brothers is out kind of hustling. And so with my girls, they always have prominent men in their life, their father, you know, um, you know, and just other men that that came along. That's dope. The way. I mean, Triple C, how was it like seeing her grow up and play? Um, the first the time you, I, yeah. Did you coach? Yes, yes. So I, I've been coaching. Uh, I've been you know, coaching for sixteen years. And then when I first um, met them, um, shout out to my guy Walt. Um, it was I loved her energy, and she was already like you know how people say you kind of like she was already saying my daughter is going to be. She is this. She is blah blah blah. And focus. Yeah, and and just as honest as she is now, she said you might not like me because I'm gonna be honest. I'm from Brooklyn, like, and I'm like I. Tell me where you want her to be, and I got you because I have a playbook that I've you know constructed over a certain amount of time, and it was dope just to see, um, you know, once I learned about her and I learned about Imani and I learned about Nia and I and she kind of realized that it wasn't just about basketball. I need to understand what she wanted to do with this because again, this wasn't WNBA was not like 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 NLI wasn't around, so the college players weren't making money. They weren't doing this and the four. So you had to really figure out how to monetize everything. So it, I, let me cut you off because I remember right on. one thing Chris said to me, and it stuck with me because um, I was trying to figure out just how to groom um, Nia. And the one thing Chris said, he said the same thing you do with Imani's modeling, do the same thing for basketball. And at the time, that wasn't really being done. Um, and the same thing you do for your real estate. So with Imani, um, with the modeling at the time, I kind of just treated her like my house, like I would any house I was marketing um, to help. Um, you said marketing. Marketing, right, because at, at the time so I was what selling is real estate. Oh, you were selling real mm-hmm. estate. So then you kind of left that out. Right. So yeah, I was selling real estate. So you a certified hustler. Right, yeah. I do, I, I do everything. Yeah, I do a lot of things. So I was selling oh. real estate and... Um, and so I was marketing her like I would a house. Um, I had a certain page for her. This is years and years ago because she's 28 now. She started modeling at, um, at 13. And so then when it came time for Nia, um, I really didn't know what direction to go in because I don't watch basketball. I'm not into basketball. I didn't know anything about it. So Chris was like, just just, just um, treat her career the same way you treated the modeling career. Mm. And so that's what I did. Almost like keep it simple. Yeah. And so that's what I did. And, you know, Chris, he, um, the coach kind of brought Chris in because I think he saw that we had some girls that was special. And so, um, you know, and then Chris kind of just helped me and to guide and direct me and tell me, 
you know, which way her career should go. And so that's kind of how, and I just listened to him. I trusted him. Um, you know, I trusted Walt, which made me trust Chris. And, and I trusted our high school coach. And so, yeah, it was just a bunch of people who were just locked Invested. in to make yeah. these girls the best they could be. That's dope. So dope. Yeah. So dope. Ultimately, that's what Yeah. Shout out to Coach Shelton, man. Camden, New Jersey, man. He's a, he's a uh, he's down here at St. Francis Academy. He literally has um he had Andrew McCarthy was number one pick. Um he had uh Nia's number twelve pick, and then next is gonna be um Angel Reese at LSU. So they play together in high school. Mm. Oh wow. Yeah, so that team they, on the same team? Same team. Wow. Yeah. Nia and dope. Angel played together. Yep, yeah, and Angel played together for two years. I would hate to play against them. Ridiculous. They was Washing people all up and down the East Coast. I've been man. crossed before, but like I've yeah. never been diced up by a female. It's, it's um, I'm just gonna watch. Yeah, <laughs> I, I go I'm hard. dealing with a sprained ankle now. I can't yeah. even deal with I'm it. I'm good, you know. Yeah, I'm good. So um, that's so dope. So you know this podcast, we're all active detectives, right? You know we on the blue side. We love everything. We love everybody. How do you feel about law enforcement? Any pros, cons, good or indifferent? What do you think about it? Um, well, like I said, my my relationship with law enforcement actually started out very positive because, um, like I said, I, I my start in sports was was hosted by officers who volunteered their time, you know, after work. So, um, so my start with law enforcement was always positive. Now, as you get to you know, the killings and all of that, um, just being a, a regular person in the community. Um, of course, I had issues with that because, mm-hmm. you know, it seems like it seems like there's a force that's against black people in general. Um, and so there's a part of me <laughs> that sees law enforcement as a hand of the government. And I'm not going to lie. I'm not a fan of the government. So, um, but I view people as people. I know that there are good officers and there are bad officers, just like there are good parents and there are bad parents. Mm -hmm. So, and and we need black officers. We need Hispanic officers, you know, especially in our communities because they, you know, understand the people. So, you know, I would just hope that, that the officers would remember, you know, who they are because I feel like sometimes they forget. And, and that's where I have issues with it. But um, I think I think city governments across the country need to bring back the uh, PAL centers mm-hmm. because now kids will have a place to go. But I also believe um, city governments across the country should bring back or offer some type of trade, whereas kids. Or learning some type of skill set. Carpentry. Right. Um, yeah. Electrician work. Right. You know, hanging fucking drywall. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think that, because I think kids, for the most part, you're not, I think not every kid is a fucking Jeffrey Dahmer. That's an evil person. A lot of kids that get in trouble are just in trouble because either survival or they went the wrong place at the wrong time. And I feel like if they had a trade, like, oh, my God, tomorrow morning, it's Monday, I have a $75,000 job, I got to do some um, electrician work, too. I'm going to come to the block, say what's up, but, like, by 5.30, 6 o'clock, 
I got to go because there's a certain responsibility that I have to do the next day. And if you teach these, I mean, TJ Smith on the podcast said it, you know, teach these kids how to, sh- how to fish, mm-hmm. you know, especially with a bay, send them out there on a boat. Some may own a restaurant. Mm-hmm. Some may become fishermen. Absolutely. Guess what? That's more kids off the streets. That's a fact. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And they're learning a skill set. You're fishing for crabs. That'll right. take care of their life. And it's like, if, if me and you, we peoples in high school, right? I'm a fisherman. You got a restaurant one day. Now, my man's buying the crabs I'm right here. Me. I got all you need. And we're feeding the town. Right. Let's get this money. Yeah. And, and, I, and I think that's what we're not, happened we're with off me. The, we're off the corner. Yeah, because I think, like I said, officers has such a positive influence in my life um, because it was just my mom and I. And so if it wasn't for the PAL and, you know, running track, you know, where would I have spent my free time, you know, just sure. sitting on a stoop? And so... Defunding the police happened a long time before it was a chat. It happened a long time ago when, the, when these programs were taken away, in my opinion. But yeah, I think if you have more officers, like I said, when I was growing up in New York, officers were more involved in the community. And so, like I said, when I needed an internship, my mom, she knew all the officers in the area. So she just went to them and said, hey, my daughter, you know, she's not in school because she had this baby. Can she do her internship here since she's stuck in New York? And it was like, yeah, because all the officers knew her. So I think, you know, if the officers have relationships with the people in the community, which they used to. Then, then maybe, you know, and these officers weren't afraid of us because they look right. like us and they right. were in our community. Absolutely. But when you have officers that's patrolling areas that they are fearful of the people, then I feel like you're going to have more issues. You got a problem. You'd be surprised how many NCO officers um, want to do that, but it's just at this point, they're only dealing with like the older aspect of the community. And then another issue that I have that just are not from committing a, the crime. Uh, just having this this degree in sociology, I feel like a lot of these officers, um, I, th- I don't know what the training is, but I feel like there should be more sensitivity training, maybe more training in the social sciences, because I just don't feel like the education is there, especially with the um, a lot of the Caucasian officers, when especially when you're policing um, a people of a different, ethnicity, demographic, you know, a different demographic. So, um, you know, these are basic things that we learned in school. So I don't know what the schooling is like, you know, for you these know officers. What? I think in Baltimore that has changed. Okay. Um, they, what? Yeah. Like, it's, how are you policing people with mental health issues? Like, here, I feel like that. No, we get trained on that. No, we get yeah. trained on all that. Yeah, for sure. The thing is, it's not what they're being trained on because they're being trained on everything. Absolutely. It becomes the individual when they put that badge on right. and how they want to carry out that mission for their tour of duty. It's got nothing to do with the department because the department prepares you to get out there. It's all in who you are. Right. As so an then individual. my question would be, is how, how is it that we're attracting so many officers that that seem so either power hungry or maybe racist. Like, why are they not being weeded out? And Check they, um, you know, I, when they're doing the whole background and I all got that. Yeah. I was an instructor in the academy. Follow. I was instructor for about four years. Yep. Mm-hmm. I trained 
at all all my trainees, high risk car stops, active shooter situations, uh, 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 riot control. I train all of them. Defense, right? Yeah, defense. defense tactics. I trained everything. I have a huge umbrella under my hat. And you did in service. And I did in service. Here's the thing. Nobody's going to tell you, a trainee is going to tell you I'm a racist. Right. They're going to stay within the stipulations, the guidelines, just so they can get through and become a certified officer. Wow. Or once they graduate, mm. they've met the criteria to be an officer. Yes. Now, once they get out in the streets, mm-hmm. they conduct themselves how they want to conduct themselves. You're in the car by yourself. You by yourself. So whatever they do, that's a reflection of them. Unfortunately, yeah. it becomes a reflection of the department right. because you're an agent of your department. Mm-hmm. So you're being represented from the department, that badge and everything. So it's a lot of motherfuckers that fly under the radar just to get that power to have a gun and badge. But it's not what the department taught you. It's not It's not a reflection of the department at all. Right. But it is ultimately... Because we're giving you the product mm-hmm. to serve out. Right. What we need you to serve and, out. And then what, you know, so my perspective is is from a civilian, right? And so mm-hmm. then when you see like, and again, I'm just someone that's watching. No, please like tell me. I, lo- I love that. Talk you know, so when yeah, these officers the do stuff. Exactly. When they the do stuff. And that's why this podcast was created. So-and-so kills so-and-so and then you suspend his pay. And it's like, are you serious? He just gunned down this kid, you know? <laughs> And so I feel like um, I feel like from from us, um, the civilians looking on. Sometimes it almost seems like like this is a gang. You know, it's like what are you guys Crips? No, you know, I got you. But you know I what? It. I get it. There's yeah. a due process in every situation. Absolutely. You can't just get rid of nobody. Right. They have legal representation. Uh, There's policies and everything that they have to go through uh-huh. before that officer is fired. Right. You still got to get an investigation. You still have to determine what happened. Mm-hmm. You got to get all the all the pieces to the puzzle to determine what the fuck happened. Right. So I get it. Sometimes they won't. Sometimes they'll be suspended, but with pay because we have to do a thorough investigation. Because if we don't, the officer will come back and fuck the department. Right. So and there's a thorough investigation on everything, and also on a humanistic level, it's suspension with pay because that officer may have a family. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, this is a job. We have to feed our families. No, I agree. It's just that I think in society, we've seen we've seen enough officers um, but, that have gotten off, you know, that have killed um, people unjustly. And so I understand what you're saying in, in, the, in the investigation process. Yeah, everyone deserves to be innocent until found guilty. Mm-hmm. And so why would you suspend the pay? You know, if if we haven't conducted, you know, a trial, if you want to call it that. But what I'm saying is once we know officer so-and-so shot this kid or or this man who was just panhandling cigarettes, I'm just making stuff up. And we know that, you know, like like that situation in New York where the officers are wearing these shirts, oh, I can't breathe. And it's like, really? You're going to taunt these people? Like, it just seems like they're... I think that was stupid. Yeah, it seems like very you, you don't want to be a part of, and I'm not talking you. You don't want no, no, to be a you. part of the community. Of the you want to be a crip 
Because that's the way I see you. You have blue, and I'm not saying you, and I'm not I saying all you. officers, but I'm saying this is the way a lot of civilians see it. See it. Yeah. You to to a lot of poor or middle class black people, a lot of this stuff looks like gang stuff. It does. And and I understand that you have to be together. Because as a as a person coming from corrections, I'm going to back my other officers because we are working together in a really dangerous environment. I get that. But my loyalty would be to humanity first. You know, and I I don't, I don't, the the picture that we're seeing, and, and again, the internet and TV, they play their own version of things. I know we don't really that's know. That's the biggest destruction to yeah, this, it's a, yeah. to this uh, profession. But, you know, that's why this podcast was created. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I appreciate you. Just spit it out the way it is, the way you feel. Because I'm with you on that. Listen, my pop said, gee, you heard? So I seen how he talked to officers. Officers that was rude, though. And check them and put them in their place. So that's what that that's was. I was like, oh, I've never seen that before. So when I saw that, I was like, yeah, you could talk. Because based like on that. what we see, like for instance, when I it, it's sad because um, when I was growing up, and, and it really I thought times was worse, and I don't remember having a fear of officers. Where now, if I'm being pulled over. You know, I'm having an anxiety attack before he even gets to the window because I just don't want any foolishness. And maybe it's not like that, but based mm-hmm. on what we see, because, you know, the media puts their own spin on things. And so you got the, the people media. that they are do afraid. They do because they love drama. Yeah, the, yeah, media, the media loves you know, to So that. we're afraid. A lot of people are afraid of, of these officers based on the bad officers that were I mean, able to keep their job and that were able to... You know, whatever time. You know, you know how many car stops are happening in New York City. Let's just take because we're both all of us are from New York and in Baltimore, right? You know how many car stops happen on a daily basis that we don't hear about. That is a, a successful car stop. That's one person that did not get shot that day during a car stop. We only heard about the one that gets right nasty, right? But then they blow it up and it rises to the right. top, and that's true. And it's only. When it's a black and white, you know, interaction. We don't hear about the white on whites. We don't hear about the blacks on blacks. Mm -mm. You see what I'm saying? Right. And our community needs to wake up and realize, Mm -hmm. you know, how many officers in the community, like, we used to serve that, like, we know what's going on. They know what's going on. And nothing happens. Hey, yo, you want to know why? It doesn't sell. No, the media is doing their job. They're putting us against it each other. It takes us to, yes. but you know what? It takes us, the real ones, to get out there and be like, listen, this is really what it is. You see what I'm saying? But just to speak for myself, I yeah. will say that I've never had a negative um, interaction with the police. Every time that I have interacted with the police, they were fine. So like you said, this this fear is being put out you know, by it the is. media. because. There's got to be more good officers than bad officers. Of but for course. us looking at there's, it, there's way more. that's not what the public gets. The black more. public. I don't know. White public, I think they feel protected by the police. And, and they call the police and the police come. But for us, um, I think that, you know, it's just a different feel how we feel about the police. But like I said, if I were to speak just personally, no incidents or whatever, just my personal interactions with the police, it's all been positive. You know, anytime I got pulled over, it was never no foolishness. Right. Um, 
you know, I've had officers help me, you know, but but what I'm saying is based on the media, I'm still scared, you know, if something happens because I just heard, I'm just making this up. I just heard the other day that so-and-so got pulled over right. and she got killed or whatever. But that's not just Sandra story. Bland or whatever or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but my, me personally, no, I've not had any. You know how many white officers we had on the podcast that had like successful stories in the community? It happens, but a lot of times too, and when the community needs to understand that, like, what happened to your man? It's not what's gonna happen to you because your man had a gun in the car. Right. You you don't have a gun in the car, so you don't need to. When the officer approaches, you know, crack the window open this much and be like, "Yes, sir." And then that right there begins a negative interaction. Right. You know, what I mean? a lot of times I feel like in the community, they they only speaking of the stories they heard, like you said. And also what the what what the media is saying. Right. If you take it for like a case by case basis, it's really not that bad. Right. Like, you know, as long as there's respect. Now, if you get an asshole cop, then you have every right to file a complaint. You have every right to take it a step further. But follow the protocols. Right. Don't be ghetto. Right. And just running your mouth just to run it. Follow the protocols. Get that get that gentleman's information. Get his badge number. Go down to the precinct. Go down to the... Uh, what we got? What? We don't got precincts. We got districts. districts. Okay. Go to the district. Speak with the desk supervisor. Get that officer's information. Let him know. This is what happened at time, place, date. This officer treated me bad. You know what he's going to do? He'll do a thorough investigation. He's going to go down to ID. Yep. I agree. Send that down the chain of command so they could do a thorough investigation on what happened. Every officer's got body worn cameras, so that should be activated on every car stop. Right. Body so worn cameras have helped. You gotta do your your due diligence so you can get the result that you want. You can't just bitch and complain just to bitch and complain and just start and just start riots because for what? Because you didn't do your due diligence to you know do what's it. The correctly? problem now with society though, they're not like us from back in the eighties and nineties. They're soft. So if an officer is stern, but polite, you know, there's a difference. You could be stern and rude, and you could be stern and polite. Ma'am, can I please see your license? Sir, how are you? I'm fine. Can I please see your license? What's the attitude for? There's no attitude. I'm asking you, let me see your license. A lot of times society now can't handle a, a stern, direct question right so they're like you know they, they, a lot of times they, what you what you what you rude about what's it's not i'm being rude i'm just being direct that's the problem now you know society's soft because <laughs> i don't have to be like hey sweetie what's up baby what's up right. what are you doing because the minute i say what's up baby we're friends complaint. now right and we're not friends right you know what i it's a damn if you do damn if you don't every car stop i must say i never had any issues I'm in a different capacity now. But if I stopped you, I stopped you for a reason. Mm -hmm. So if you went through that stop sign, listen. Own up to it. Before, it was, how you doing? I'm officer, I'm officer here in Baltimore City, Northeast District. The reason for the car stop is you went through that, you went through that stop sign. So all I need is just your license and registration, please. Stand by. I'm not going to jam you up. Let me just make sure you're, you're good to go. I get the information. I run a check. They're good to go. Guess what? You just get a stop receipt from me. Mm -hmm. You don't get a ticket. You don't get none of that. I just want to make sure you're okay to drive. You have a valid license. 
That's it. And with that, you you subconsciously let him know, like, yo, next stop, next stop sign. They could be a little kid chasing a ball. Exactly. You want to know why? Because we being, it depends on the area, but there's areas where people just want to run through stop signs. Yeah. And it's a, it's, and it's, and it's a For nice. For example, Bella and Mayfield, there's no stop sign. There's there. no stop sign. I mean, there's a stop sign, but there's no light there. Right. And that's a busy ass intersection. It's busy. I need you to stop there. Why? Because I don't want you to hit nobody. But you know what I'm doing at the same time? I'm building rapport. Mm-hmm. I'm you. I'm, I'm utilizing me being an officer. I don't have to give a ticket. Why? I just want to talk to this individual. I know where he lives. I'm here now. Listen, I patrol in this area. There's a lot going on. So listen, I need you be. I need you be on your p's and q's. Everything's okay, but please don't go by. Just don't go through a stop sign. Kids are in here. It's a nice residential area of homeowners that work hard. Right. I think. Who want us to do that? Who want us to do that? Believe it or not, who want us to patrol? And when I was that? in the streets like that, when we was in the streets like that, I don't give tickets. No, for what? I was there before. I rode dirt bikes. I did all that. But you know what? You know what gives it ticket? What gets it? What gets the ticket? Your attitude. Right. And also, like you crashed and. You know, now if I can't help you, bro, you you did it to yourself. You did it to yourself. You did it to yourself. You get a ticket. But I think it's something that they're measuring now that that y'all are talking about that people need to pay more attention to. It's not about IQ, it's called EQ, emotional intelligence. You came with that before y'all were cops. Like you said, y'all where we the things that we went through won't allow us to do certain things to certain people unless it requires it. A certain level of aggression, a certain level, just in general, even if y'all weren't cops. You see what I'm saying? So y'all realize that on both sides of it, what that represents. This is for anybody who is in a position of power, whether it be a cop, a boss or anything. And you talked about this on John's show. Like nobody's going to disrespect me. You see what I'm saying? So finding a way to be emotionally intelligent enough to understand that I got the power in this situation. dog. I could do whatever I want. I'm not though. You have a good day. You have this, that and the That's the thing that, more people in all in in all areas need to really start to what is your emotional intelligence what what's that level that you know you can take and you because it because in in a lot of situations again i'm just speaking from being on the civilian side for y'all y'all have been shot at y'all have been this y'all have gone through 30 more things than any other cop that i've heard from or talked to that was before y'all was cops that was how y'all was raised y'all was raised with a high eq Mm-hmm. So y'all could see certain things. Now, everybody can't be sure, raised like that. like that. But how do you teach that into a, you know what I mean, like real talk? Like, and I don't want nobody monetizing off of what we're doing. But how do you make that into a class so people they can can't, understand They can't because we different. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I mean, so that's was, that. That's, you, yo, you're the, a stressful cause when you hear your partner get into a shooting. And you're like a mile away. And you got to get through traffic to get there to help them. But when you get there, everything is done. What do you do? I mean, we had a guy. Shout out to him. Same as Ronnie. And also Abby. Yeah. But you, you know what I think, though? I, I'm coming from just like, um, just a criminal justice background. I don't, I don't think that people feel like white and black people are policed the same. Um, and just from a person that's worked mm. in the prison system, black people are not committing the most of the crimes, but we are getting arrested 
more than our white counterparts. Like you can walk in any prison. That's a fact. That's you can a fact. walk in any prison um, in this country. I've worked in um, jails wow. in, in Texas. I've worked in prisons in Maryland. I've worked at BCDC in Baltimore. When you go in any of these jails, all I see is Tyrone, Malik. So, um, so, so, so what I'm saying is, what you're not, now not you guys, but I'm saying we're not being policed the same. We're not being arrested the same. I don't believe that we are commuting, committing the bulk of the crimes. We're not the bulk of the people on welfare. But, but when you look at it, um, and so it's not just about the policing, it's about the whole judicial system because right. um, we, you know, if, 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 um, if Brandon commits a crime, um, you know, maybe he gets a slap on a risk and probation. And then when Malik, you know, commits the same crime, Malik is getting time. So I think that's a lot of the problem, too. And so I think um, that's been the problem. That's the, that's the main problem. And so that's we don't feel like we're policed the same because you see the side that you do, which is you the police. But when you go and you actually walk, I remember the first time I walked into prison mm-hmm. I thought I would be afraid, and I only usually work with men, but instead of being afraid, I was sad because I'm looking at all of these men and they look like me. Mm. So let me ask you, you a know? question. You're from New York, you worked in Maryland. Let's talk about a neutral ground like Texas where mm-hmm. the Latino population is heavy. How would, would you say it was the same in Texas? Well, the part of Texas that I was at, and we're talking Fort Hood, and so... It was not like a big Latino presence because this is military. So military wow. is just black and white. So yet again, all the inmates are black. Wow. Not to say okay. there was no white, but I'm talking, I'm talking eighty percent black. So I'm I'm not That's in a enough. part of Texas where there is Latinos because gotcha. I'm at Fort Hood. Now if gotcha. I was in El Paso right, or San Antonio, then that would have been different. Yeah, because that's different. Yeah, but um, the part of Texas I was in was just black and white. It's so just would you say? Town. Let me ask you a question. Would you say it's based on the state or like the population? Because if you go to Kansas or maybe like Montana, mm-hmm. majority of the population in Montana is going to be it's white, white right. criminals. Right. It's on the states where you go. Uh... So but any state safe... where there's predominantly where not where there's a lot of blacks. The, the, be the, more ca- the amount of ca- incarceration, like for instance, if you walk in BCDC Central Booking right now, everybody in there is black. Not to say you don't have some white. But people majority in of there. the city's black. Not, yeah, but That's it's a, a number fact. game. Right. That's a fact. That's but like, fact. like if you go to LA, right? LA mm-hmm. County is gonna be mostly Mexicans. You know what I'm saying? Like, do you think that's what really what it is? No. Do you really just think it's just straight across more black? I mean, of course, if I'm in Montana, if I'm in... It better be white. Stuff like I'm that. I'm like Utah. Now, it's gonna federal. Be in right, Utah hey, is yo, going to have... Ain't that many black cowboys out there now, goddammit. Right. You know what I'm saying? But if like, I'm in New York, if I'm in... All the, all the Maryland, cities. But, but all you, the cities. And, and like you say that Baltimore may have mostly black, but I worked at Patuxent. We're talking maximum security. That means we got inmates coming from all of the whole state. Yeah, yeah. Maryland, there is no state that is predominantly black in the United States. In Maryland. Maryland. No, not, but what I'm saying in Maryland, if you were to Google it right now, what is the most predominantly we're probably black about, huh? There is none. We're probably wow. in Maryland about. Um, I, I'm just make this up. Forty percent of Maryland is with thir- black, with thirteen percent of the population. Maybe um, is black people sixty percent white. Maybe. maybe, 
Yeah. So we're still not the we're not the minority in any state. Black people are not. We are the minority in Baltimore City, but oh, we are man. not the minority in Maryland. No, so so yeah, in BCDC, mm. it's going to be a lot of blacks because that's the city. Right. But I, I worked at BCDC and Patuxent. Uh. Patuxent is in Howard County, but BC. it doesn't matter. That's a state prison. That means any gotcha. inmate serving time convicted going, going is going to Patuxent if they're if they're sanctioned to maximum security. I'm in a maximum security prison and everybody's black. Damn. Wow. And so I'm thinking I'm going to be wow. afraid because I never worked in max before. I'm thinking I'm going to be afraid. And instead of being afraid, I'm sad because all I see is people that look like my uncle. Mm, people nice. look like my father. Nice. People who look like my cousins. You know, so I'm like, are we, are we really would, that would bad? You, I don't believe it. You, you can't sell me Coast that. Because like on the West Coast, it might be like brown right white. so so if you go to like say you go to new york you go to um it's mostly spanish right? you go to um to um rikers. rikers island which we've all been to rikers island visiting people or whatever yeah in rikers island you're gonna have puerto ricans dominicans you're gonna have blacks you're gonna have everything a melting pot but even when i've gone to rikers islands it's more black wow. and, and it's not more black people in new york than than white. Than the Spanish. It's not. It's not. Than the white. Yeah. So I'm saying if you go to Rikers Island today, or if you know anyone that works at Rikers Island, it's more black in me. Can you pull that up? No. Oh, no, I know. There's I know for a fact by the numbers. If you look at FBI Island, numbers, more murders have been done by for New York people. City, we in probably about no, 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 just in general. Thirty percent oh, yeah, of the absolutely. city. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's no oh, such thing absolutely. as like yeah, there's no such thing as like black on black crime because more whites kill more whites than more black. So it's right, but the, the, the whole but it's more blacks black on black. convicted. So if right. black people are black killing black people at the same correct. rate that white so the, people are committing white people, while we being the conviction rate, that's what I'm talking that's about. That's what we're talking right. about. Right, right. And so a, the conviction rate to me seeps over into the policing because that's what we see the public. So it's the system, and so I think the reason that that the General people I'm glad like me have an issue no, it's, with it's an may have issue with the police. It's not the police; it's the system. It's system. So let me ask you with the system. Like now that they did the whole like, have you been watching like the no bail in New York City, right? All these criminals are getting off. But I haven't been following it. Oh, I'm sorry. No. So like a lot of people in New York City now that commit. Like let's say non-violent crimes uh-huh. are getting off. They go to jail. They they release the next day. Right. All the problems that has been. I'm not causing. saying don't arrest people. What I'm saying is that that the the system needs. You to be, have certain people that are getting a slap on a wrist. Oh, you know what? Jody didn't really mean to do that. He deserves a about, second chance. You're talking about case by case. Case by case. Mm-hmm. I'm saying more case I by agree. cases with. With us, we're doing a time. Whereas, yeah, you know, Jody, let's, let's give him a chance. You know, he, I think he can be rehabilitated, but Tyrone can never be rehabilitated. I agree with that. Yeah. So that's that's what makes on your level it looks bad because all we see is, oh, my son got arrested, he's doing time. But when my my friend's son got arrested, he got off for the same crime. Yeah. And so that's where you. That's why I think the general yeah. public, blacks anyway, have a fear of the police because we know when the police come, um, there's a yeah. chance that you know th- you're done. Whereas if yeah, I were white, up. you know, it's different. Hey, yo, when you break it down like that, that's fucked up. No, no, she makes no a thousand percent. A thousand percent, it makes sense. The thing that Do cops. You- a lot of cops are dealing with problems that we're like not um, 
not we could handle it, but it's not our duty because it's not like the homeless problem. If a homeless man is not committing a crime, why do we have to deal with it? He's not committing a crime. That's that's what I tell people. Uh, they be like, yo, this dude, he's, he's yelling, screaming. I'm like, yo, is he hurting anybody? No. He's got his rights to yell if he wants to yell. Yeah. Leave that man alone. Yo, you you be surprised. Take your ass inside. You know how many times I was out of camera? I've seen this man right here, and I'm not just saying that because that's my partner, that's my best friend, and I love him to fucking death. All day. But it's the truth. We're hanging out in front of headquarters security. You know how many times I've seen this man give people, random strangers, his $20, go eat. Uh-huh. But that's never spoken about. Right. You know, they'll come up to us, yo, you know where this building is? Mm-hmm. Yo, man, I'm just trying to look for something to eat. I'm, I, I need, I need, uh, I, where's the where's the state's attorney building? Where's this? That's that. I'm going through a hard time. I got nothing. I don't got a cell phone. Yo, he'll peel out. Yeah. Off that onion. Pop. <laughs> that bread. It's funny you said that, yeah, because it happened recently, too. It happens all the time, every time I'm with him. Yeah. And I'm like, damn, I should carry more cash. Because that's what we do all the time. Yeah. But, like, the media does not see that. Why? Right. It's not sexy. Right. But that's what we do all the time. And, it's, and I'm not just saying that because of him, but I'm saying that because there's plenty well, of officers that I've country, seen do it. clearly the media is trying, not trying, the, but the media creates a divide. A divide. Yeah. So, that's their job. But, like, whoever's listening to this needs to understand that, like, that divide bullshit, we need to stop. We need to stop that. Mm-hmm. We need to come together and, and become uh, humanistic. Miss Tara, <laughs> any shout outs you want to give out? And thank you for your knowledge and your wisdom. Thank you for everything. It was an shout amazing. Shout out to um, my daughter. Shout out to Brooklyn. And just a shout out to anyone that's listening, anyone that's watching. Brooklyn. Listen, is there any way people could reach out to you? Are you on social media? Um, yeah, I am. I don't. Are you okay with <laughs> You're a realtor. So you're real estate. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, real estate. Yeah, real estate. I am. Yeah. If you are interested in buying a house, yeah, you can actually reach me um, on my Instagram, even though I usually don't. I usually I'm not on Instagram for likes or professional friends. Lesions. Yeah. So um, it's a lesions. But also, yeah, if you I, want to learn how to raise professional daughters. Holla, <laughs> yeah. 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 Holla at, yeah, holla at me. Um, so, yeah. What is my Instagram name? OK. Yeah. So my Instagram name is Tao or Tao. T-A-O underscore Tara T-A-R-R-A Nice Shout out to Tara in Vegas That's a good spot Fire What made you get about real estate by the way? Yeah Because you left that out Yeah I don't know I've always Still got your license? Yeah I've always just loved real estate Um, I guess growing up on Section 8 and never owning anything Um, I've just always been able to um, I mean big on you know owning my own home and you know so that we can create wealth and pass it down generate wealth what's your favorite favorite property to sell my favorite property to sell Um, is it it ranches is it a duplex if it was for me um, I, I love ranchers. That's my favorite. It's the best. But, really? but for um, for investment purposes, which is what um, what I um, like to focus on, what I'm duplex. focusing on with my girls. Yeah, I like duplexes. I also like just regular row homes. Um, okay. Be, they're affordable, um, especially if you're like a police officer. Well, what do they you have like this, you know. Where, what do you like to sell in the city? Yeah. So I, I like Baltimore City. I know City. you do. Um, 
Yeah, anywhere in the city. Um, do you, so you guys are from New York. So you remember in New York when we had the dollar homes? Yeah. Um, and that's when. and that got me into real estate because I remember mm. when my house was offered to us for a dollar and my mom didn't buy it. Mom said no way. Yeah, it, it was because it was pretty much an abandonment. And um, you know, she didn't have the money to fix it. So she didn't see the value in buying that house for a dollar because her thought process was it's gonna cost me seventy five thousand to fix it and I don't have any right. money. Right. So right now what's going on in Baltimore is the same thing that went on in Brooklyn and what went on in Harlem in the 80s and the 90s. So these houses are cheap right now. And so, but if you go to Bed-Stuy right now, you go to Harlem right now, I know my childhood home sold for 1.4 million. Yeah, the brownstone. But this is a house that was offered to my mom for a dollar. Yeah. So this is a great time to buy in Baltimore because I promise you in 20 years, a lot of these homes will be worth a lot of money. Yes, they will. So buy something you can afford. It's plenty of houses for 100000 150000 There's houses that are 5000 You know, they, they're, you can't live in them. You know, you may have to take out a loan for, you know. For the long game. 100000 to fix, but a house for $100,000 that in 10 years might be worth 250000 I mean. Facts. You know, so. Yeah, that makes sense. But yeah, just to get in the game, just get something, you know, get something that you can afford and fix it up. Let's play a little Monopoly. Right? All right, let's go. Let's do it. With the rooms. That's it. Huh? It's Monopoly. <laughs> oh, Yeah. Right. Shout out to you <laughs> for raising two phenomenal, beautiful, intelligent black women. One that's serving with a purpose, the other one that's serving Aliu. Who's serving the ops on the, uh, the other <laughs> team? On the B ball court. On the courts. To get to that level. Actually, they both serving the ops, one in the military and one in the. In the, in the league. Stop. To get to that level is tough. Extreme hard work. A lot of people don't fit the criteria. But you did it. You're the foundation for them. And their father. Uh-huh. Father plays a huge role. Absolutely. I'm a girl dad. I got three of them. And I'm one of like stank on shit. I don't play. At all. Mm-hmm. But I want to thank Miss Tara for coming out. She blessed us. We spoke real stuff, real topics. I love her insight. That's why this podcast is unique. Because there's no prepping. We just ask you questions and you spit it the way you spit it. That's it. It's okay. It's, it's okay to, 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 to have a discussion and not meet in the same general area. It's so listen, everybody has. Everybody thinks how they think. Everybody's different. Everybody's unique. Human beings are different. No right answer. There's no right answer. You know what it is? It's just talking, thinking. Tell me why you thought that way. How does that make sense? Help me help you. Let me understand it. That's all it's about. That's why this platform is different. Because you got two active detectives that do this and been doing this. We got a federal guy, Triple C, that knows everything. So we appreciate you. Dre. Peace and love. Shout out to uh, Silverback Chronicles. All day, every day. Shout out to Savage Tacticians. All day, every day. Shout out to Tyra. Shout out to Tyra. Shout out to everybody. More. Peace and love. Triple C. Blessed out of peacemakers. My peoples, we oh, love the party, you. The party, the party, the party. Episode 151. Don't forget, 
July 11th. We meeting at the tavern, Thebes Lane. Fells Point 1600, Tavern. Fells Point Tavern. 60, you said 1600? Dame Street. 1600 Dame Street. Fell, was it? Fells Point Tavern. Yes. July 11th. Shout out to our brother, Charlie Schultz. Berman Sobin and Gross is the law firm. We love you. We appreciate you. Tell a friend to tell a friend. July 11th, be there. All right? Don't play. Take love the day you. off. Take the day off, all right? We love you. We appreciate you. Keep tuning in. We'll see you next time, all right? Be easy. on the Silverback Chronicles podcasts are those of the hosts, producers, and or the guest appearing on the program. They do not reflect the views and opinions of the federal, state, or local government. This includes but not exclusive to the Department of Defense, Homeland, and the Baltimore City Police Department. The Silverback Chronicles podcast with Dre, Big H, and Triple C. Hit the subscribe button, like and comment.